This is going to be such a cool episode. I've been so excited to release it publicly. In today's episode, our guests decide, fuck it. We don't need a license. We're going to start selling weed anyways. They applied to get a license from the state so that they could legally, legally sell cannabis within the state. The state didn't grant them their license. And so they decided, and what you'll hear them say today is, fuck it. We're going to do it without a license. I kind of alluded to the fact that um, I'm, I've been excited to release this to the public. That's because we release all of our conversations first and foremost on our Patreon page. If you'd like to join our Patreon page, just go to chillinois.net slash Patreon. That's C-H-I-L-L-I-N-O-I-S dot net slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. It only costs $3 a month. And we release our episodes first on Patreon. We release all episodes for free ultimately. But if you'd like to support us and get exclusive access to the newest episodes of our podcast as it releases, Patreon is the is the best way to do that. So you can go to chillinoy.net slash Patreon. If you're not able to support us with a $3 monthly donation, please Rate us favorably from wherever you're listening to this show from now and enjoy the episode. Cool. Well, like I said, um, your tweets got me both sad and excited today. Uh, I will share the ones I'm talking about and then I'm going to give you the space to introduce yourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm going to share the first tweet that got me sad. And it's, uh, well, the drawing was today and we didn't win for the third time. We started this process in 2019 and invested so much time and money. It's just not going to happen here. It's a message we've heard time and time again here in Illinois. And I was sad to read that this morning, Um, but this got me excited. We decided (laughs) that we put too much money too much time and money into this. So fuck a license. We're opening anyway, just like a New York Discord link coming with address and information. Why should they always win in profit? All right. I'm going to let you both introduce <laughs> yourselves. Uh, but I just wanted to start with what got me sad and excited for today's conversation. So whoever wants to go first, uh, feel free. All right. Um, I'm Jesse. Uh, we're long. We've been a uh, little background about myself. I'm a serial entrepreneur uh opportunities come and i jump on them um this you know when this happened in 20 i can't remember when they started the cultivation but we got interested then but you know cultivation was a huge process um so we waited around to to this license you know process open uh joe you want to introduce yourself uh my name is uh joseph thompson uh like jesse said uh, we started this back in 2019, uh, read up on the HB, uh, was underneath the guise of uh, Governor Pritzker the whole time that he said that this was not going to be about big business, that this is for the average individual to come in and have a grasp into the this market. So that went out to everybody and everybody's seen that along with the entire process, which gave everyone the reason to believe that I could have a a stakeholder into this ever-growing business. So that's why I partnered up with uh, Jesse. 
and we've been rolling since 2019. Yeah. Well, Joseph, uh, if if not, no worries. But are you able to turn on your camera uh, today? Uh, I'm kind of having problems with it. Okay, no worries. Um, well, thank you both again for for joining us. And um, I mean, I'd give you this. I want to give you the space to to talk about whatever you want to talk about first. But I I do want to segue to that tweet that got me excited shortly thereafter. But right. giving you the space today is a frustrating day what do you want to talk about yeah just, just the whole process i mean you know a lot of emotions today just like in 2021 um we start like like joe said we started this process in 2019 it's been a long process if anybody that went through this know that the application from 2019 was a monster uh with all exhibits you had to have contracts which we had from security labor and peace agreements mm -hmm. and, and things of that nature you know, we were excited. 2019 came around. We made the, the lotteries in 2019. Um, if you look back at that process, that process was really corrupt. I mean, everybody who won a license in those rounds were either politically connected. Um, you know, they were MSO back. They had a big MSO behind them. Or, uh, you know, there was ex-senators, um, judges. Ex law enforcement. I was about to say nope. law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody like me and Joe. You know, we we regular guys, man. I, I've lost so many friends. Um, you know, with the war on drugs, either they got locked up and you know did serious time, and some of them even lost their life. So it it kind of it kind of broke me when all these promises were made that you know this is going to be a fair process, <laughs> and um you know it it turned out to not be fair at all. You know, we, I, like I said, I, as soon as the process became legal, we got pushed to the back. You know what I'm saying? The average citizen got pushed to the back. So that, that kind of pissed me off. But, you know, we hung in there, went through the process in 2019, stayed around for this process to open um, in 2023. Uh, we were very excited. We had, you know, we had everything. Um, you know, and... They opened it up and they kept pushing the deadline back, kept pushing the deadline back. And I told Joe, I said, this is a fucking publicity stunt because this process was supposed to be expedited like two weeks. And they kept pushing it back and extending the deadline because I felt like they just wanted as many applicants as possible, you know, during this time. And sure enough, the day after it closed, the big press release came out. Well, oh, we have 2,900 applications and, you know, applicants. And, you know, that was all over the news. So, uh, you know, if we look back to 2021, what well, I think we got, what, 15 dispensaries that came online from that process out of that 192? Or, yeah, we only got 15 dispensaries that's open now under yeah. the social equity, you know, so. And less than five of the cultivation centers, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Like three? I think three. Yes. Exactly. And, and and each one of those dispensaries that's open, you know, we're backed by MSOs, whether it's Planet 13 out of Vegas or World of Weed out of Seattle or, or um, Starbucks, Starbucks yeah, out of Colorado. <laughs> or, you know, what's the place we have up in um, up north there in uh, River Bluff? That's a company out of Colorado, too. I can't think of the, the, the company name now. But they're a company mm -hmm. out of Colorado too. Joseph, so they, were you? Oh, sorry. sorry. No, uh, so there hasn't there hasn't been one dispensary 
there was true social equity to all people. Not one. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> what even it? Sorry, Joseph, were you going to say something earlier? Uh, I was just going to try to highlight back on what Jesse was talking about, about the press release from IDFPR. Ever since 2019, IDFPR was always making their press releases on the Friday about 3 or 4 o'clock. And when the press release came out that we had the 2,900 applicants, that was the only press release that's ever came out from IDFPR that was in the middle of the week. So that just further lets everybody know that's been following this how much of a publicity stunt that it was. Do you guys remember roughly when this press release came out so that I might be able to link it in the podcast oh, description? Uh, April 27th, the day after. Okay, cool. And for folks, yeah, you can look it up. It'll be out there. Um, and I, I guess I didn't give background. Uh, maybe I will in the intro of the podcast, but if I didn't do that, I just wanted to say that today, uh, July 13th, the Illinois Department of Finance, Financial and Professional Regulation had a uh, lottery and announced 55 new social equity adult use dispensary license. You are not part of that group. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I said, it's frustrating because, um, you know, it's such a it was such a long process. Um, the first time in this time and to, you know, to be a, a part of those processes. And have everything that you need, you know. And I'm not taking anything away from anybody that won today, but uh, we know what that process is like, and we know what the state is going to require because they re they required it last time. Yeah. Did you, you know? only do the 2019 one and then this 2023 one, or? Yeah. Well, the way it worked is the 2019 is you had to uh, put your application in by January. I think it was third of 2020. Okay. And yeah. we were supposed to find out um, in March of 2020. But, you know, of course, COVID happened right. and that kind of pushed everything back. Then they, you know, at the last minute, they came out with the tiebreaker rules, which according to the HB, it was supposed to be a scoring, not a lottery process. But, you know, they changed the rules and made it a lottery process, um, which was kind of funny to me because uh, they, they clearly said if you apply more than 10 times, it won't further your chances. So how did these guys have the foresight to apply a hundred times or 200 times? <laughs> you know, you only had that kind of foresight if you knew ahead of time that it was going to come down to a lottery. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. so it, it got pushed back and, you know, with the court cases and, and that, so <clears throat> they finally um, set the uh, social equity justice uh, lottery, the qualifying applicant lottery and a tied applicant lottery in 2021. So it was like July, I think the first one was July 29th, and then August 5th and August 5th, uh, August 19th, I believe, of 2021. And I also further want to add to what Jesse was talking about. When we went down to Chicago to turn in our application for the 2019 application process, we sat across from, well, stood across from IDFPR, and the people taking the applications even told us, you realize you can't apply more than 10 times. And we said, yes, we know. So we handed our, her our application. And that was exactly what was repeated to us, that you can't apply more than 10 times and anything above 10 times is, is not guaranteed. That came out of IDFPR's mouth. Yeah, yeah, I completely forgot about that. So we were fortunate enough to be a part of those two lotteries. Um, did win. You know, that was a heartbreaker. Um, you know, got a lawyer, talked about, you know, to pursue some legal action 
like everybody else was doing at that time. Uh, speaking of lawyers and, and at that time, if you notice, everybody who bought a lawsuit against the state won a license during those rounds. Magically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Magically, everybody who had a lawsuit uh, won a round. But we decided not to pursue legal action. Um, and we said, we'll wait because, you know, according, we were following the rules and it was supposed to be another round coming this year. So we waited. When it opened up, we applied. Do you regret not doing a case like some of those others did? Because that's kind of what their case was, is they were like, hey, our application was fair or was what we thought it should be. And like you say, they ended up getting that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, now I look back on it, absolutely. Sure. But at the time, you know, we were trying to, you know, do things. Do it the right way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. I feel um, and like I said, and this then this process was supposed to be expedited. It was supposed to be a quick because you know everybody, the state knew what they were doing. They were correcting all the mistakes that happened in, in uh, 2019 and 2021. So it was supposed to be, I mean, 2020 and 2021. So it was supposed to be an expedited process. And yeah, the application was. was and, yeah. We're saying all the same things here. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Though. Yeah. You were saying the application was supposed to be so much better. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The process. Um, it was open up to 30 if everything was going to be online. They changed the map uh, so it allowed, you know, for more uh, social equity uh, applicants. They, yeah. yeah, they lowered the, the fee, which was great. Um, and, you know, it was supposed to close, I think, February 14th was the original close date. So it was two weeks process. So get it in, you know, they, they streamlined everything. Then it went to March 3rd. Then it went to March 10th. And then ultimately ended up at April 21st. Like I said, you you know, I started getting a sense, like I said earlier, that it was a publicity stunt because you know they they put all these press releases. Oh, we, we released it in in Spanish so we can get more, you know, uh, so we can reach that audience. Uh, they asked us, do you guys want to hold a town hall, you know, to so we can get more applicants? And that you know that's kind of, you know, so you can get more applicants. Yeah, they they if you, anybody wants to hold a town hall about this application process just get a hold of us and they they've never said anything like that before (laughs) Hmm. yeah and there's one thing i want to highlight talking about the 2019 process um when it got split up and then it got pushed back to where there was the three separate lotteries for social equity the tight applicants and all that um one thing in life that we all learn from and we learn from it all going up through elementary is the basic science of math does not lie math will never lie to you no matter what what language you speak and for some of the applicants to sit there and put their name in x amount of times and to be drawn multiple times within those lotteries it was mathematically impossible for those results to be repeated during the lottery to be randomly repeated right yeah it was like if i remember right someone did the math and it was like one in a five quintillion possibility that this could happen once and then another and it exponentially increased the more licenses that they won in those lotteries yeah yeah i'm trying to find what you're talking about because i do believe i have that saved if i'm not mistaken it was tom howard from cannabis yeah, legalization tom. yes that yeah. Was tom. yeah but i yeah. I don't, I'll keep looking for it. I don't think I have it on hand, unfortunately, but I know what you're talking about and it's interesting math. And actually was kind of 
What's kind of funny is I'm going to be talking to Miggy off of Cannabis Legalization News, who just told me they did win in today's lottery. So, Oh, congratulations, Tom and Miggy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But anyways, I wanted to kind of go to a point that you brought up, and I'd like to reference this uh, Green Market Report article that came out yesterday, July 12th. And I feel like it kind of will springboard you back into one of the points you were making. Um this actually gives you some exact numbers, too. You were asking for exact numbers. As of Tuesday, only 27 of the 192 social equity licensees in the state were open. There's yeah. an exact number for you. So um, only 113 yeah. adult use shops um, yeah. and then the uh, other cultivation centers. But um, this article, it, the headline for folks that want to read it, it's from greenmarketreport.com. Tough times ahead. Tough times likely ahead for new Illinois marijuana shops by author John Schroyer. Um, this part stood out to me. A cannabis consultant from Chicago, his name's Michael Mays, estimates that the cost of opening a new cannabis store in Illinois can run between $650,000 to $1.5 million, depending on the location. This goes back to a point you were making earlier, Jesse. And for true social equity applicants who are not typically who are typically not wealthy and often have to rely on investors or other types of financial backers, that's not an easy goal to hit. Right. We're talking about true social equity, and I've been asking people what they mean by that. And I, I recently asked Illinois Representative LaShawn Ford what true social equity means, and I referenced a quote that um, will be difficult for me to find right now, but um, it's I can paraphrase it off the top of my head. Jordan Melendez, an activist or a, a, another license uh, applicant that you may be familiar with, has mm -hmm. said true social equity is not the number of licenses that have been issued. It's market share. In your opinion, what is true social equity? I've been trying to figure this out, and I know it's like a big definition and everything, but like I think it's important to have this conversation. Yeah, I, I think because I, I think I saw one of your podcasts and um, you had, I can't think of his name on it, but he was talking about it. He was saying that if they, if you get a license and you get the opportunity to sell it and you can sell it for like $2 million, then that's equity. That's that's a form of social equity because you don't, you didn't have the $2 million before and you were able to take something, you know, and, and translate it into something that would better your life. Um, and I agree with that, you know, at some, at some points. But with true social equity to me, you know, because I'm in that situation is uh, it's not a, just about selling the license. Uh, we actually want to do this to better our community. Uh, if you if within our exhibits from our original application, our community engagement was not just fluff like most people. You know, we had we want to give away scholarships and we want to have job training. Our, our blueprint of our dispensary calls for a whole section where we have a community room where we're going to have health screenings, where we're going to have job uh, training for the community, where we're going to, you know, give away backpacks and, and things like that for the community and, and, and dinners. Because we, we don't want to just rape the community of the resources. We want to give back to it. So social equity means to me that we, that you should truly be giving it to people who suffered from those communities so they can take those resources and put back in those communities. So and that's, that's how I feel. And to further go along with that, everybody that was in the 2019 application progress process had that. In order to sit there and be qualified, you had to have those exhibits. And anyone that is open 
has to have a community engagement. That's part of the reason why that they score so high on their license on their applications. And I have yet to see any dispensary in the state of Illinois have a community engagement program. All they do is just come in, they just take, they just take, they just take. There's nothing there. I have never once seen like a food truck coming in from a dispensary to give away free turkeys for Thanksgiving. I've not seen yeah. any engagement, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Per- it- and, and, and you're speaking on a social, uh, excuse me, guys. you're speaking on a social equity of dispensaries that's open from that 2019 to 20, uh, 2021 uh, license process. If you walk into these dispensaries and a lot of them were supposed to have 10 employees from a disproportionately impacted area. And I can walk in and visually see <laughs> because that map, and they still have to go by the original map, not the map that came out in 2023. And when you look at that map, you can walk into any of these dispensaries and you can visually see that they're not abiding by that um, part of the application. You know? So it's, it's to me, it, this was not about money. You know, I know a lot of people view it as a a, a good come up, a great come up, even when after they won those uh, applications, after they won those licenses in 2021, they had a big meeting where they had investors come in and they immediately were trying to sell, you know, the licenses off. And, you know, I, I feel like that's what a lot of people were trying to do. You know, um, they were going to package the licenses together, you know, and try to sell them. To me, it was not about, not about selling the license or not about a money grab. This was a true opportunity. For people like me, people like Joe, who were seriously impacted, have family impacted, have friends impacted, and this was our chance to get in the community and really do some good. Yeah, you know, if 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 you look at any dispensary now, they're still not servicing those communities. the The closest, the closest uh, two dispensaries that I can think of, or well, I got a few. So we got Mission, which is in Calumet City. Uh, we got Luxleaf, which is in Matson. We got uh, Bam, Body, Mind, and Soul. I think that's what it's called. They just opened in Markham, uh, and I think I think that's pretty much it. And Markham would probably be closest to the demographic uh, that we're talking about for social equity. So you know, Windy City Cannabis is in Homewood. They've been there for years. They were medical, you know, switched over to adult use. Uh, and Luxleaf is in Madison, which is in the industrial park there. They, those are the only dispensaries that are close enough to service the communities that were most impacted. And Markham, I'd say, will be the closest. So even now, with all these dispensaries open, all of the the once medical, they turned over to adult use off of you know second site license. Um, none of those none of those dispensaries are even close to any of the communities that were socially impacted. From the war on drugs, none of them. Like I said, other than the ones I just mentioned, none of those. You so what you're doing is you're asking us to drive out of our communities to come spend money into those communities. And we all know how the black dollar works, right? And how you know a dollar in your community, how long does it stay? I think it's I don't quote me on this, but I think it's something like <laughs> a dollar in the black community is like 20 minutes or something like that. So, you know, this this is a bigger social issue than just social equity and a dispensary license. And there's one thing I want to highlight on them for one second. Um, 
for most of the dispensary that's in Illinois, they were all medical. And then they made the transition once it got opened up, sell recreation. Now, like any good entrepreneur, you know, you go out and you do your business, you do your research, you go to this one, you go to this one. There's a couple dispensaries during this process that we went to that were completely medical and made the transition over. And talking to the employees and talking to the security, they were going around and telling people that they were the first uh, dispensaries open and that was social equity. How could you be social equity if that's what you're telling your clientele when you were completely medical and made the switch? Yeah. yeah. Once again, it's it's like a dog and pony show that you're misleading the community that you're you're servicing and saying, oh, well, we're the first dispensary that's open. That's pure social equity. Well, no, you're not. You were medical. And when so is yeah. the, yeah. really the truth. Yeah. And, and like Joe was just saying, we, we visited um, quite a few of these dispensaries. And, you know, I'll watch the press release that they have on TV when every time one opens, whether it's Ivy Hall, a Grasshopper Club, uh, Starbucks, whatever, um, you know, they will go see. You know, that's that's part of our research, right? We're, we're coming behind them. So that's part of research for us to see, okay, what, what do we like that they're doing that we can, you know, incorporate into our idea. Um, and when you go in there, I'm asking, is the owner here? No, they're not present. You know, and I'm calling by name, but I, what I've researched and saw is so-and-so here. No, they're not here. They're never there. Those social equity applicants are never on location in these stores. Yeah. And I mean, what do you guys think about the the system in which this this uh, market was built on, like a limited license system? Speaking of press releases, like I, I've got it right here. It'll be hard maybe for me to pull up exactly the moment I'm referring to, but I know for a fact that on December 7th, I believe, was the press release uh, where J.B. Pritzker was at Ivy Hall, yeah. and he was asked about limited license systems, and people will – he said something to the effect of people will say uh, – you point to other states and say they've issued all these licenses, well – we are purposefully limiting them so that we don't edge out, he said, uh, our our social equity applicants. <laughs> what do you, seriously, what do you think about this entire system? Because there's a lot of people that are applying right now that yeah. will like talk shit about the MSOs, um, but then frankly support the limited license system because they say, just like Jordan Melendez said, true mm -hmm. social equity is market share. That's another way mm -hmm. of saying keep the limited, keep the license limited. limited. Jordan, uh, if you think I'm misinterpreting your quote, I've invited you on the show several times, and you can definitely just send me a text to correct me, and I will correct it on the on on air. <laughs> um, but that's how I take that quote, and I've heard it from several different people, in, including Scott Redman from the Illinois Independent Craft Growers Association. Don't open the licenses um, because then it's hard to compete is basically like the prices fall to the bottom of the barrel and it's hard to compete. So I want to give you both the floor. What do you think about the limited license system, especially after having been cut out of it twice? Right. Well, um, just like you referenced a tweet from earlier today, um, I'm, I'm like, fuck limited license because it doesn't work. It's, it's, it's limited license to me is a, is their way of trying to control the market. If prices plummet, then you have to be a can fucking I, better businessman. 
can I play a really quick clip just to prove yeah. our point? Um, yeah. Let's let's just this is uh, this is you're gonna know who this is, but this is the same attitude that everybody seems to have that supports limited licenses. So here we go. Finally, you are staying out of some states, uh, including Colorado and Oregon. Oregon, of course, we've heard about plunging prices locally. That might be a temporary thing. But why would you be staying out of Colorado, for example? Simple case, supply demand. We believe in limited supply markets as a way to enter. In Colorado, the restriction on license is not very low, it's not very high. So there's less of a barrier to entry. As students of Warren Buffett, we believe in a moat around the business. And so limited license markets are attractive investment opportunities. That's interesting. And we've heard Oregon, they gave out hundreds of licenses as well. Ben, fascinating stuff. Thanks for joining us. Fascinating, Ben. Uh, yeah, that's uh, fascinating. You know, the that. thing about it is, the thing about it is, I thought this was a capitalist, capitalist society. So they should welcome competition, right? So limited licenses, and I guess you heard me say, and I, I probably shouldn't use those words, but I'm not a fan of limited licenses because you have to be a better business. If prices plummet, figure out how to run your fucking business to compete. You yeah. know, McDonald's isn't pissed because Burger King and Wendy's and all these other places sell uh, hamburgers. They figure out how to compete in that market like every other business. And to your point, let's just continue going with restaurants. We've been saying on the show, I got to give credit to my friend Philip. He always says that it's just accepted that in the first five years, 80% of restaurants go out of business. We just accept mm -hmm. that. Try right. opening right. up a tech store. Best Buy, you know, it's hard to compete with Best Buy. Try opening up a gym. It's hard to compete with Planet Fitness. Right. You can do it. You can do it. And I know there's like there's some small gyms around here, but they're like strategically located. And anyways, um, the point is, like you say, I thought here's the sinister part of this system. How about this? This is why I have a big problem with it. It's not that I like you, for example, you want to get in the business and everything. And and I and I respect you because I would want to smoke your flower and everything. And I love that there are people out there that want to get in the business to provide product for folks like me. I don't want a license. I don't want to get into the industry. My thing is that it's sinister to me that this limited license system, the enforcement mechanism is law enforcement. Yes. All the yes. entire rule book that we're talking about pre-2019 is thrown at you. They will throw the book at you. And that's why your tweet. I actually am not worried about you guys opening up your dispensary because I have a feeling you're going to sell things like THCA flour and everything else, which that's another thing we've been talking about. You can legally sell under the hemp bill. And by the way, folks, most of the flour you find in dispensaries is THCA flour. So you could set you could open up a dispensary like you guys tweeted about and sell a lot of the products that they sell legally. Yes. And I'm talking without a cannabis license from the CRTA. And you also can gift cannabis. Correct. So, you know, you might come in and buy a product and pay for that product and the cannabis is gifted. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And just a quick history lesson. Since you brought up gifting, I want to like tie this together. Give, give me just like a minute here. So the Cannabis Control Act, this is good background for folks. They can look this stuff up themselves. The Cannabis Control Act of 1978. Here it is, and it establishes a graduated set of penalties for cannabis possession, delivery, blah, blah, blah. Most of these penalties are still alive and well today. So you just brought up gifting. 
So just really quick, I'll tie this together. It's funny because gifting is actually in this law from yes. um, 1978. So if you look up casual delivery, it means the delivery, actually, hold on, this is where it is. Any delivery of cannabis, which is casual delivery, shall be treated in all respects as possession of cannabis for the purposes of penalties. So if we look up cannabis laws and penalties, whoops, penalties in Illinois, Illinois Normal has a really nice website. Let's look at the laws and penalties for 30 grams. As you know, no penalty. So that means that, yeah, like you say, you can gift. But to finish my point really quickly... All of these um, laws here, this misdemeanor, all the, if you have more than 100 grams, you get a felony in one to three years of, that's all from the original Cannabis Control Act of 1978, which the CRTA did not touch. And I've been trying to make an argument that if you wanted to actually address the cycle that's caused like social equity, I've been trying to argue that then we should remove all of those criminal penalties. You know? Absolutely. Like, let's stop Absolutely. the cycle altogether. Right. Yeah, because you still, you still have uh, law enforcement out here, and they just changed it, I, I believe, um, with the omnibus bill. Yeah. Well, you still have law enforcement that were pulling people over because they smelled cannabis, you know, um, and treated it like it was a big deal. So I'm, I'm 100% with you that the way we should address this was law enforcement first, and then, um, you know, the dispensary legalizing cannabis. And, you know, we got a lot of people like LaShawn Ford um, who were advocating for, you know, true social equity in some aspects. I just don't know what happened. I don't know where the ball fell or, you know, if, if backdoor room deals were made. I don't know. But it, it just. I truly think it's at- this limited license system. Like it's really as simple as that. And then look, I want to like give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to be talking to, I think this is who you were referring to earlier, by the way. I'm going to be talking to J.R. Fleming tonight. Yeah, J.R. Yeah, that's who it yeah. is. Yeah, and he he made that pitch and I get that pitch actually. Like I I I get it. I still don't agree that the enforcement mechanism should be law enforcement. And I don't think that's what J.R. is saying. I don't think he mm-hmm. should, I don't think that's what he's saying. But I get the pitch. Uh, because it's like, okay, these people were cut this market deal and we've always been, you know, this group, true social equity, we've been disadvantaged. So we should be cut the same deal. I kind of get, I get that logic. Um, it's just, you know, it's like the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. (laughs) Um, you know, and, and, and again, I don't think Jr. or anybody actually like advocate, like they're like, by the way, I want the criminalization of cannabis to continue. But there are certain people that I've talked to that definitely give me the impression that they view the continued decriminalization of cannabis as competition. Like, I, yeah. just, sorry to pile they on, do. Scott. Absolutely, absolutely, they do. I was going to say, sorry right. to pile on, Scott, but I brought up Homegrow with him, and he's like, we could legalize Homegrow, but we need to do it in a way that doesn't impact the market. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? Uh, you know what I mean? And Right, right. The way I look at it, sorry to keep, I'll just, I'll wrap it up here. The way I look at it as a home grower is like when you grow at home, you grow a lot of weed, like, and it's usually all the same strain, like that the dispensary is meant to supplement home grow. Like I like to go to the dispensary as a home grower to get like different flavors that I don't have at home. But when I'm like maybe between payday or whatever, I'm going to be smoking on my own weed to get me through the week. That's my logic there. But anyway, sorry, I keep. 
you know, it's, it's, I'm a true entrepreneur and, you know, I like competition and that's, that just makes me stronger as a businessman. Um, when you look at the numbers that the IDPFR puts out um, every quarter or every, every month about, you know, 130 million sales of cannabis uh, for the month. And we're on, I think we're on track to do like 2 billion this year in the state of Illinois. So those numbers are attractive. Every, if I feel like everybody wants limited license because they want, they feel like this is a money grab. Like this is the, the green rush, you know, as opposed to the gold rush in California, this is the green rush. And they're putting out shitty cannabis um, and they want limited licenses. So there's no competition. Yeah. I want competition. I want to be a better businessman. They they always crying about the black market. You know, the black market cannabis, you know, it's, it's on the rise. Yeah, because if you're just, it's, I'm so frustrated because when you go to these dispensaries, and you, I'm sure you visited some, you see what they look like. It, ha, it, it yeah. doesn't, to me, embody the culture of cannabis. Not yeah. at all. Well, hey, to your point, um, in, in Illinois in 2022 reported $1.6 billion in sales. Mm -hmm. But you know how we like to point to how everybody likes to point to Michigan as a failure. I mean, I think you just mentioned right. it. Yeah. In 2022, they sold 2.3 billion. You're right. See? Hmm. See? Yeah. It's a big yeah. failure. See, and, I, and I think different because when me and Joe were talking about you know, this whole process in 2018. And I, we, we was having our meetings and I told you, I said, listen, don't worry because more dispensaries come on, online. That's better for us because that means there's more cannabis available. So sales are not going to go down. They're going to go up because it's more accessible. You're going to have more competition. You're going to have, you're going to have more uh, product available. So the sales are going to go up. It's, it's like alcohol. There's a liquor store everywhere. Right. And the last time I checked, liquor sales aren't bad because people drink when times are good and they drink when times are bad. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and if I could just say really quick, I'm sure you're down with this idea. I, I've said in the past, if cannabis companies are serious about talent acquisition and development, they should consider advocating for things like home grow rights, which would allow people to showcase their skills, which would be a win win for all involved. Homegrow could yeah. serve as a training ground, and, and I'm I'm using homegrow because it's an easy, easy example. But like, it's like if you think about it, they're literally like cutting cutting their job pool shorter by not supporting these proposals, you know, and leaning yeah. into competition like you're talking about. And there's yeah. one thing I do want to address. Uh, you said you know Michigan supposedly is a failure, they but they sold 2.3 billion dollars worth in total sales. Well, one of the reasons why is I've talked to multiple people in the state of Illinois. Oh, I think we lost them. I think he dropped muted. out. And yep. With that, you still have Illinois people coming from Illinois going to Michigan because the tax market is such a big tax break because they're not severely gouging the customer towards 25, 35% sales tax because it's a certain strain or a certain potency. Michigan is nowhere near that. That's why Michigan, with their sales breaks, as far as tax taxation, is pulling Illinois customers to Missouri or Michigan. I, and I'm sure it's the same as in, as in Missouri because it's a way lesser in a, of a tax bracket. 
Yeah, but yeah. I, you know, you, I'm not, you're not wrong that our taxes are ridiculous, but I do just want to say that I feel like it's, it's, we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that these people are artificially inflating the value of their products. So like, if you yeah. look at the menu in Kalamazoo, Michigan right now, um, I'm just going to show like a uh, really quick, uh, this is a great example. So this product that I'm about to show you might recognize it from Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. It's $32 yeah. for one gram. This same product goes for $110 before taxes, $120 before taxes. This is the same product that I'm talking before taxes. Right. In Illinois. So this is just a clear like markup. Um, and they do the yeah. same thing with their flour and everything else. But you're right. I also want to say you're right. Our taxes are ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just yeah, saying. And I yeah. And I think a lot of people go to Michigan. I, you know, I've, I, you know, I got some people to go to Michigan. I think they go to Michigan also for the experience, because the Michigan dispensary is set up more like Colorado and California. Yeah, the deli style. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Dude. So I think that's you know, that, and when they passed the law here, I was like, "Fuck, we're not gonna have that." So <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna hinder us some. Yes. But hey, everybody I talk to, you know, family members, you had to go over to Michigan. It's not so much as the taxes, it's just the whole experience. You know, yeah. here is here every dispensary that I visited, besides I would say Starbucks is probably the best experience that I've that I've had. Uh, but it's almost like a hurry up and buy. You know, they they rush you in, they rush you out. It's it's very uh I say hospital <laughs> like, you know. The aesthetic is just real cut and dry, and very, you know, uh, I want to experience this. I, yeah, 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 very sanitary. I, I want to go in. If I, I look at my customers, somebody who's never smoked cannabis at all in their life, and now it's legal, they can go in. There's no education on the different strands and what it can do, and you know, if I want sleep or if I, you know, got anxiety or depression. There's no education like that. Nobody's taking the time to educate the consumer on the benefits of cannabis in these dispensaries. They expect and, you to do all that research on your own online and then just come in and buy and get your get Yeah, your use order a tablet. Don't even <laughs> yeah. talk to a person. Right. Yeah. Like the, the ultimate experience is, you know, if you've never had any cannabis in your life, you go to a dispensary, one of the first things you do there, uh, they're going to check your ID. Then you go in, they're, you're going to have a sales associate. If there is a sales associate, walk up to you and say, all right, do you know what you want? Well, how do I know what I want if this is my first time? Well, then you say, well, no, this is my first time. Well, uh, here, let's go over to the kiosk. Uh, do you want flour? Do you want edibles? Do you want this? Well, how do I know? There's nothing to sit there and look at. That's why it's so stale. There's no information to where you can sit there and make the best decision for your experience, for whatever medical reason, if you're going there for a medical reason. There's nothing. They just think that, oh, because this is a what worked in the past that's what we're going to do with and you're kind of robbed like when it's kind of like everybody's gone to a head shop you go into a head shop you see the, all the pipes you see all the glass on there you see the incense going you know that's a total experience but when you go to a dispensary which you know pop culture has taught us through movies you know it's supposed to be a relaxing thing like yeah, bathing, used and all that, but you go in there and it's like you're walking into a doctor's office and you don't know exactly. which way you're looking at, and you know you're scared to say, well, you know, I want to have an edible or I want to have flour, I want to have something that's you know 
going to really fuck me up or really going to sit there and do this, but you don't know because all you're doing, all right, well, you know, this is Cresco's bar of chocolate. It's got this. You've got uh, GTI's edible and gummies. You know, there's there's no real education. So you you go back, you try this, well, I didn't like this. And it's it robs you from the ultimate experience of what someone who's never had it well, this is not like what I see. This is not like what everybody's talked about. So how am I having an experience that's not like that to where I talk to somebody, you know, who's done it multiple times and like, oh, well, why did you do that? Why didn't you get this? Well, it's because there's no education. Right. And and I'm just like what you've just described is actually I think like people like Ben Kovler and and yeah. You know, do Cresco and everything else. That's ideal. They like the CPG consumer package goods. They want it to be like a gas station where you just you go in, you don't talk to anybody, you use self checkout and get the fuck out of my store. You give me your money, yeah. and grab your shit, and you get the fuck <laughs> out. And uh, so, but like to your point, Joseph, uh, like it just completely robs you of the experience. And the 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 example I've been using lately is like when I go and get produce, I like to examine the produce. Like it's not in a mm-hmm. fucking box. Like I go and I get grapes or strawberries or whatever. And I'll be honest, when I like look at grapes, I feel I have a whole like ritual for different produce. But grapes, for example, I'll like feel them. If they feel good, and I don't know how to describe that to you. Right. I know how it feels. <laughs> if they feel good enough, I will pop one in my mouth as the final test. Like, am I getting these grapes? Like just, right. okay, yep, these grapes are banging. I'm getting them. You know, but like any produce, like you check it out like an apple. I make sure that the apples aren't bruised. And it's just like cannabis is produce and we're being robbed of that type of experience and we should treat it like that. Like you should be able to examine it and be like, you know, not the best batch today. Maybe I'll go somewhere else or maybe I'll come back Tuesday. Right. I mean, even when I go on the street, I you know, I ask my guy, hey, let me see it. And he yeah, it right. Me. Even on the street. Uh-huh. You know, and I, get, and what's I get to touch it and smell it, it and right. look at it. And what's he going to do? He's going to look. Here, take a whiff of it. Take it and smell it. You know, this is what it is like. Of course. If you want it, you want it. If you don't, you don't. And it's just like you were talking about with the produce. How many people do you go into the produce section? You pick, see them pick up a melon and thumping it. It's the same exact principle where you're talking about your grape as where you're talking about, you know, you know, the quick stand market or gas station market. It's almost reminds me of like <clears throat> Simpsons with a poop. Thank you. Come again. You know, they just want you yeah. to hurry, come in, get in, get out, get in, get out. Yeah. I mean, you, you see that. I mean, we've been to enough. Anybody who's visited a dispensary here in Illinois can see that because they can feel it. Uh, my wife went for the first time. Um, and she came out and said, I didn't know what I was doing. Nobody helped me. This is what my wife said. Nobody helped me. And I said, that's exactly what we wanted to correct. Or we were going to correct. And we're still going to correct it because, uh, like I said in my tweet, you know, fuck a license. We're going New York style. Yeah, what, I totally what, understand, uh, t- understand what they that. did in New York. Uh, so when we were applying, you know, we had that time between 20 and 21. So I was doing a lot of research and I came across New York and they were they got cannabis trucks and, you know, cannabis clubs and things of that nature that popped up. So I did a lot of research into it. And I reached out to one of the guys in New York. He says, hey, man, he goes, fuck it. They're not going to give us a license. We're just going to take it. And that was just they, they were in that limited license market or no market uh, for those guys. So they said, fuck it. We're going to go for what we know. Um, and he, we talked back and forth. 
And he told me, he says, hey, if you're ever in a position where you need to do it, he goes, uh, I got all the contacts for you so you can get your supply and everything. So I've always had that kind of in the, in the back of my mind. Um, you know, if this didn't go the way we wanted it to, then I'm willing to take the risk because I took the risk, you know, when I was a teenager. So uh, I'm willing to take the risk now as an adult because I really want this opportunity for our community. Um, and we're, we're elevated. It's not just a dispenser. We have a clothing line. We have a CBD drink. Um, they were come. They were coming out. We got the air diffusers um, for the car. So it, it's it's a whole product line of uh, cannabis related merchandise. So um, with the dispensary, yeah. And you, as you saw on the website, the largest selection of, of flower in the state. That's that's our goal. That's where we're gonna be. Um, and like I said, we can gift cannabis. We don't have to sell it. Yeah. Or you could sell THCA flower or that, you know, that as well. Delta that eight flower well. or yeah. Delta eight products. They, you know, they were trying to get that band in this omnibus bill, right? Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Crazy. Trying to criminalize Illinois farmers that have been doing this for years. And look, years. I'm not going to say, look, People are acknowledging that maybe there were some dishonest actors that are that actually are not carding people or providing uh, accurate testing or labeling or whatever. But my thing is like that can be dealt with uh, in a different way. We don't have to bring out the old criminal rule book again. Like let the federal. This is a case where the federal law is a is ahead of the state law. Why would we start like bringing it back? Like let's go back. Right. Let's go back. It's crazy. Right. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, and this is this is 100 uh, percent rebellion against this limited license that we have in here in Illinois. And anybody that was an applicant that wants a process of how to start a dispensary, just get a hold of me uh, through Twitter, because I hope more people that went through this process feel like we do and just say, you know what, this is fuck a license. So you guys going to have like uh, edibles and concentrate and like whatever you would think yes. at a dispensary. Cool. Yeah, we're going to have everything. Uh Luckily enough, I got a buddy. He owns four dispensaries in California. So yeah. I've been talking back with him. Um, he he always tried to convince me to come out to California. Hey, you <laughs> let like, me know. You let me know when you're trying to like open this, and I will be there on opening day. This is as a absolutely. supporter because like definitely. fuck absolutely. this system. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I hope that uh, more and more applicants take this approach, and maybe we could change this limited license. Because they want a limited license because they're they're fucking money hungry, they're greedy. And once once, you know, 10 years down the road from now or, or whatever, it'll be just like a liquor store. You know, you go to the state, you pay for your five hundred bucks to a thousand for a liquor license, you pay your uh, local municipality for your license, you open up shop. You know, it should be that simple. Absolutely. It, it really should be that Amen. simple. It really should be. Like, what the hell are we doing? I wanna bring I wanna bring that quote back up. For true social equity applicants who are not typically wealthy and often have to rely on investors. Like if this was for the people that were disadvantaged, what were we thinking setting up a system that required somebody to pay between $650,000 and $1.5 million? We expect somebody to just become like a fucking financial genius and know how to like network with investors and like not get fucked over. Well, see, right. I, you know I've I mean? seen those quotes. I've seen those quotes. From, uh, you know, people said it's a million bucks to start a dispensary or two million bucks. 
Um, and from every projection that we have, uh, I don't know where those numbers are coming from. Okay. Even the cannabis is given to you on kind. Mm. So as far as build out and get your store set up, I don't, I have, I have, I think that was more of a mechanism to discourage people Interesting. from getting into the space. Because from our our uh, projection, it's nowhere near a million bucks, nowhere no. near. And our, our our floor plan calls for I think it's thirty four fifty square feet for the actual dispensary, and then another twenty five hundred for the community room and things of that nature. Yeah, and did you get? I'm curious. Did you get your applications back? And the reason I'm asking is I'm wor- I'm I'm curious. Did they score you a hundred percent on your security plan and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, we got for from 2019. They didn't actually send in the application back. What they sent back was, they sent uh, they gave us the email and they had every exhibit. Okay, and we got the max points for our security plan. Okay, um, and that's how they did it. So I, I can't remember. I think it might have been like 30 points or something like that because social equity was 50. I think the security plan might have been 30 points, so we got 30 out of 30 for that. The reason I asked about that is people always say that that's where the the big bucks come in, all the security requirements and all that stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, yeah, with the camera systems, like I say, even with the camera system, uh, the vault for the uh, cannabis storage, it's still that. And I, I would admit that was the biggest cost of our projection, but it's still nowhere near a million bucks. Yeah. And our plan was 43 cameras. Um, on the store, 43 cameras. Wow. And we had a big walk-in vault that you can walk in. Um, and it still was nowhere near a million bucks. No. That's insane. Yeah, so I, I like I said, um, another big cost to that was the uh, POS system. And I think at that time, Illinois was using, uh, I can't... Biotracker. Uh, yeah, they just switched over from Biotracker now. It's something, yeah, got another vendor. Yeah. Um, the one we were going to use was FlowHub, and we got approval to use FlowHub. And I love FlowHub's system. I, I've uh, been at their demonstrations um, in Cali and in Colorado, and they got an excellent system, if you ask me. Yeah, I the like people it. at FlowHub like reached out once time. one time. I, I was like, I don't know what to talk to you about, but maybe I'll have to reach <laughs> back out to them and have them on. Mm-hmm. And at the time, that was in 2019 when we were using FlowHub. FlowHub, is, FlowHub now has grown leaps and bounds to where they could help you almost tenfold of what it was in 2019. So FlowHub, what we've used as, it's a far superior aspect to sit there using the business with this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so like um, I said, I just I just think those numbers that they that you see floating around a million bucks, two million bucks, I think that's just further trying to discourage people from getting into the space. Yeah. I feel like we've made our point on the the limited license system and everything but i i do have a video that we're just really going to lay into it that i think is brilliant that it may (laughs) make you guys laugh Uh, but one of the other things i wanted to just say is like are you familiar with the transportation lawsuit that came out where it's like people were alleging cannabis was being transported improperly to i think it was actually starbuds funny enough yeah um but uh you know not to get into that or whatever, but I just want to make it clear that it seems like the the preferred outcome of that lawsuit by the people that were, you know, bringing it, bringing whoever to court, the state of Illinois to court, they just wanted them to issue citations 
because that's that's what the law spells out is the punishment for a prospective licensee or a current licensee, I guess. That's that's you know, you get whatever citation or a mark on your license or whatever versus somebody like you or I if we got caught transporting cannabis again just to make my point one more time they would throw the they would throw the old the law book. book at me yeah the whole book absolutely yeah absolutely and, and I'm glad you brought up that because with transportation every new um dispensary I think you said you quoted 27 that opened up since then I think so yeah. they're supposed to be using the transporters that won the licenses <laughs> <laughs> They're not supposed to be using uh, Cresco and GTI's own transportation. So are you it's, are you saying they're not? They're they're not. To be, I haven't seen. Well, because there's only three cultivation centers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen. Well, I haven't seen any transporters set up. Right, but again, like there are only three cultivation centers, so it's like they would be the only people that would might hook up with a transporter like since those big companies i don't think they're mandated to work with like that'd be interesting if they would have been mandated to work work with like a social equity transporter but since they're not i think they're vertically integrated so they just you know yeah. why would they get anybody in the middle yeah they just they got the white for econo little vans and they just transported around mm-hmm. um yeah because that was one of the first aspects of the business that we were talking about joining was you know, become transporters and get a transport license. And then, you know, we scrapped that idea that just made sense to be on the, dispens- the dispensary side. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's supposed to be using transporters, man. I, it's it's such a mess, you know. I think, I don't know how they fucked this up. We we clearly had examples that we could follow, but, you know, leave it up to our state to go a different way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. They sold this idea that we're gonna the we're gonna right the wrongs through continuing to do exactly what we did beforehand, <laughs> but right. we're gonna give like a limited number of golden tickets out to like a few people that we deem to be social equity. Right? right? Yeah, it's like yeah. crazy. It's crazy. And I think and, we're know, gonna look back on this and just be like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, because even with the twenty like the twenty nineteen process. When they were grading, there was no rubric for you to even know what they were grading. It was so subjective. Yeah. So you, you, I've had a friend, they put in two applications, exactly the same, and they were scored differently. <laughs> and it's like, so what the hell was going on? And by the way, he didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't participate in this latest, latest round because he said it's, it's just too much. Yeah. He goes, I'm done, man. You know, it's crazy. We yeah. just watched a video the other day. There's a bunch of scoring um, problems in Alabama. And guess who's the uh, consult? Who guess who's scoring those? Uh... Oh, KPMG. KPMG. <laughs> yeah. yeah and by the that, way, at least that's what the what, person that I talked to said. So, and by the way, one of the guys who used to work at KPMG won a license. Correct. What Correct. He took that off his LinkedIn page, though. Hey, yeah, yeah. Um, it's too late, though. Yeah. Also, also for IDFPR, there was one of the persons who Correct. made the application. Bridget IDFPR, and you know, magically they won a license. I think it was Bridget Degnan. She worked yeah. at IDFPR. Who you're thinking of? We're making a history yeah. document right now. If you're wondering why I know all these names <laughs> off the top of my head, 
Um, so it's, it's not, it's, you're saying it's a history docu- document, but as more people has looked into this, you can see exactly how corrupt this entire system was. I mean, you know, history's yeah. going to look back at this and say, you know, what exactly just went on? You know, you can't make this stuff up. Even Hollywood wouldn't be able to sit there and come up with the type of stuff that all this went down as. Yeah. Part of what we're referencing, folks, if you're listening right now and want to learn more, check out episode 232 of our podcast. The first version of our document is out there. You can download it now. We also show you how to uh, trace the political contributions from these big companies to your elected representatives. Um, The Chicago Tribune traced at least $600,000 of legal contributions. I'm not saying that other things went on, but, um, you know... uh, so if you want to learn how to do that, we teach you how to do that. And we also have citations for everything that we say in the document, uh, episode 232. So just wanted to plug that really quick. There, there used to be a website. It was JB's Corruption, I think it was called. Yeah, yeah that um, was all right. It's, it's down. That it's was all right, but down. there was a lot of like, like it, I, I say it was all right in that there were some things on there that seemed to be accurate from my research at least, but there was also some very interesting verbiage on there. I could probably pull up the website. if I would have said the same thing. I used to say the same thing. I'd bring it up and I'd ask people about it. But then one time I looked back at it and mm-hmm. I don't know. The, the, there's things that stuck out to me. I'm not refreshed enough. Uh, but yeah, folks, look it up. J, it's like jbforcannabiscorruption.com. Yes. It's like, it's like yeah. a pretty – the flow chart that they lay out is like – Okay, I mean, I see it, and and you can like look, do your own research and see how they came up with that. Um, but right. it, I don't know. Just take it for what it's worth, folks. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so, uh, well, hey, do you guys have other thoughts? I've got a video to kind of cap off this uh, uh, limited license thing. Like I said, it's really just going to tear into it, and I think you guys will love it. But I wanted to continue right. to give you the space, um, to talk about what you know has happened and. It sounds like you're supportive of the idea of an open, like kind of an open market, like Oklahoma or whatever. Absolutely. You said it. You just pay to get your license, and by the end right. of the day, you have it. You know. Yes, and 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 as a businessman, you figure out how to sink or swim. Mm-hmm. Play this simple. You you figure out what you need to do in order to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh. I think we just lost him joseph maybe he'll come back here in a second but um uh there is one thing i i do want to sit there and touch on you said you know in the video earlier about uh we want to limit the market for you know supply and demand and they were talking about buffett well if you look into what you just said well that just basically tells you everything that we know about supply and demand if there's more supply it's it's always going to cut cross down that just shows that this industry is just for the rich to get richer and the poor to just to get poor. There is no type of uh, open market. It's they're, they're creating a monopoly, which if this was the railroad and they, they did all this, you know, they'd be shut down by the federal government. Mm-hmm. But, you know, oh, let's just keep this within, like I said, Illinois only has three cultivators. We all know those three. So in essence, it's almost the same thing because you can tie so-and-so into Cresco, GTI, all of them. They've all worked for each other. So it's, 
it's all intertwined. Yeah. And what do you think? Have you heard about the fact uh, that I'm trying to look for it right now? Um, we can't find a picture of the farm right now, but like, it's not easy. It's not like it's hidden information. Um, some of these cultivators have been allowed to grow outdoors. Yeah. 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 I've been making that pitch to some of these craft cultivators that have been, for lack of better words, bitching about not having 14,000 square feet. And look, folks, before you get triggered at me saying that, I get the problem. You need investors. And to get those investors, you need 14,000 square feet. I'm not, I'm not like downplaying your case. I'm just saying that that's what we're doing right now. We're complaining about the fact that we can't open up with that. And I've been asking like, would a, would a, uh, middle ground be to maybe perhaps allow you to grow outdoors obviously you would only use that for extraction purposes or edibles or whatever but you could at least get money flowing in the door right and yeah. i don't know nobody like i think that's tied up in lawsuits right now so maybe people are like hesitant to like i don't know though. it's yeah. just another idea that i feel like if we're trying to, if we're really trying to help people, like what better way than to allow people to take advantage of Illinois, the farming state, like throw right. us a freaking bone here. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And if we were really trying to help people open up the fucking market. Exactly. And, and people, and you don't have to patrol or police the market. The market will police itself. If you don't know what you're doing, you won't be around. Right. Plain and simple. And that, but you know, here's the scare. Here's the thing, though. But that doesn't that doesn't just mean me. That means the big guys too. Sure. <laughs> and that's what they're scared of. They're scared of that competition. They're scared of people like me and Joe, who are very in tune and very in touch with the market, very in touch with the culture coming in, and showing them. And I always say this. I always Joe always say this. We're gonna have to show them how to sell cannabis. That's right. You know. <laughs> Because they doing it all kind of fucked up ways, <laughs> so and I think they're scared of that. They, they they don't want that kind of competition. Yeah, I've got a perfect clip to play off after you just said that. I'm gonna play it right now. So they don't want that competition. That's what I just heard you say. And here we go. To how to keep profits and prevent competition in the market is limited licenses. Limited licenses and limited license markets. Why go play in a knife fight? when it's easier to go sit at the beach. In other words, use the law to give themselves monopoly. You, Jamie, they told me about what they were trying to do in Ohio, where they were trying to make it set up where only a couple companies could grow it. So the weed would be legal, but only a couple companies would monopolize. They ended up passing it, I believe. That's terrible. That's like saying, okay, you can wow. have tomatoes, but we're the only ones who grow these fucking tomatoes. Like, why? It's a tomato. That's a law against nature. So you're saying that nature can't take place? I can't put a seed in the ground and grow my own shit. Get the fuck out of here. Is it legal? It's legal. Okay. How's it different than corn? It's not. It's it's a legal life form. It's a plant. You're allowed to grow it. If you say you can't grow it, you got a corrupt system. You got some bullshit law that you weaseled in because you greased up some assholes and the other people don't have as much money as you do. It's the only reason why that ever happens. Or people are so desperate to get legal weed that they let some dickhead dominate the entire industry. Some greedy fuck. No, the, 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 the deal is it's legal or it's not legal. You can't just decide it's legal, but you're the only one who gets to make money. Fuck you. It's a plant. That's crazy. I, I love that. And that's why we said fuck a license. <laughs> hell yeah, bro. Well, again, you let me know. You've got my number now. I'll be Absolutely. there. 
I'll buy, I'll buy some weed and I will frequent it because personally myself and my friends, we don't choose, like, we rarely choose to go to an Illinois dispensary. I'm not going to act like I'm holier than thou. Occasionally I'll need a, a cartridge or something. And I don't know. I just don't know a lot of people where I can get like a, a cartridge that I'm not like worried about vaping. Right, right? right. So I'll go to like a dispensary. So I'm not holier than thou, but I choose not to. And I feel bad. I feel bad when I do it. I'm like, God damn it. I'm supporting that system. What we were just talking about. I'm like supporting. Right, right. So I try not to. And so that's why I'm so fucking excited to hear what you're doing. So, yeah. Like I said, I, mean, I hope more, more people jump on it and say, fuck a license. And this is our rebellion against the system. And we're just going to go for it, man. Yeah. Well, and, and to touch on the video that you just played, you know, he's talking about a tomato it's a fucking tomato just planted in the ground i mean anywhere across the u.s if you're in any, any type of town I'm sure you've even been to a couple farmers markets on saturdays everybody grows tomatoes brings them out sells tomatoes sells cucumbers does all this type of stuff but yet look there, there there's nothing that's coming in well right. monsanto says that you can't grow these tomatoes and come out here and sell them in, in, in a free market like this they're not limiting you into that way but yet Oh, now because this is a multi-billion, billion-dollar industry to which only certain people have a foothold in. Oh no, 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 it's it's fine, but you know we're gonna make the money off of it, not you. So you yeah. know, just keep buying, keep buying. But you know, you don't know what you're doing. You'll never be able to make it on your own. So just take it for what it's worth. You know, it's too much of a cost. Just buy from us, and and you know, have a nice day. And to your point, uh, I want to quote who uh, somebody who I believe is an alumni of the University of Illinois, Ed Rosenthal. Um, it, he said the model for marijuana legalization is already out there. It's tomatoes. More tomatoes are grown in America by home gardeners than are produced commercially. Yet there is a robust commercial market for tomatoes and tomato products of all types, canned, vine ripened, organic sauces, soups, ketchup, etc. At the same time, Small-scale specialty cultivators do well selling their produce at farmer's markets, and home gardeners with extra tomatoes share their bounty with their neighbors as gifts in trade or through informal, informal sales. Marijuana could be handled in the same way. Commercial growers can thrive side-by-side side with home and specialty cannabis cultivators. Absolutely. It's a scarcity mindset that they have. It's a scarcity yep. mindset where you're as like, there's enough for everybody. Let's do it. Let's yep. share the wealth, you know, yep. and let's, let's fight. Let's see who's the best. I love that attitude. Yeah. And I just wish Absolutely. more people like I said, had it. And like I said, if we look at alcohol, there's alcohol sold everywhere, everywhere, at the grocery store, at liquor stores, at the gas station, everywhere. Mm -hmm. And alcohol is still making money. I mean, you go into any mar any grocery market, any liquor market. I mean, you'll even see it talking about gifting. Buy one, get one free. Buy two, get one free. So every market has its where you can sit there and gift. So, yeah. As a business, you shouldn't be afraid of competition. You should welcome it because that's only going to make you get stronger and strengthen your position. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, folks, uh, do you want to mention anything else? Uh, should we mention? I don't know if we I'll put it in the podcast description so that people would have saw, seen it already. But Remedy Elevated on Twitter um what's your website uh elevatedremedy.com okay cool elevated remedy folks well, again the link will be in the description of this episode did you want to mention anything else before we went did anything that we didn't say today 
No, um, just you know. Thank you for your time. And you guys come out, and we can you know hopefully do a podcast from the store. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. (laughs) And thank you both for your time today. Seriously, no problem. Appreciate you just hopping on short notice. So yeah, no problem. And thank you for giving us this opportunity to you know address this as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, a lot, a lot of you know we a lot of applicants have been voicing, but nobody's listening. Nobody's giving them the, the, the opportunity to speak and say, you know, what they saw and what, what, what happened in the process. So I appreciate it because we've been talking, uh, emailing LaShawn and different people um, in the state Senate and the, the state house. Nobody's responding back to us. You know, we've been doing this since 2021. Nobody's responding back. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And anytime you got my number. So folks, I hope you found as much value as I did in this conversation. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care, everybody.